Llegó la venta en Vuelve la Alegría de JCPenney. Completa tu lista de regalos y ahorra 25% extra con el cupón de esta semana. O ahorra hasta 80% en joyería fina con ofertas Redbow después del cupón. Visita Sephora dentro de JCPenney y encuentra las marcas de belleza y perfumes que les encantan. Y aprovecha y entrega tu auto. Juntos en celebración y paz. JCPenney. Ofertas válidas del 20 al 24 de diciembre. Aplican condiciones y exclusiones. Sephora se excluye de los cupones. Detalles en la tienda o jcp.com. Curling fans, as America's best curling teams prepare to compete on the world stage, you've come to the one place with everything you need involving USA Curling. It's the Extra Extra In podcast with Price Atkinson. Get ready for everything that you need to know. News, interviews, points of view, anything involving Team USA forming and the 2018 Winter Olympics in South Korea for Team USA Curling is found here. It's the Extra Extra In podcast with Price Atkinson and the 12th In Sports Network crew powered by Isagenics. Welcome into episode 24 of the Extra Extra In podcast with the 12th In Sports Network, powered by Isagenix. I'm your host, Bryce Atkinson. I'll be joined today by Jerry Gertz, president and CEO of Curling Zone, as well as Warren Hansen, a business development consultant with USA Curling, has been working our national level events, trials, Curling Night in America. Enjoyed a lot of time with him this fall. He's instrumental, one of the two that helped get curling back into the Winter Olympics, former Briar champion, also a member of the World Curling Federation Hall of Fame. So Warren Hansen, who also has been instrumental in the formation of starting mixed doubles in the Continental Cup in 2002 and getting that sport into the Winter Olympics as well, which will make its debut this February in South Korea at the 2018 Winter Olympics. So just once again, appreciate everybody tuning in here to episode 24 of the Extra Extra In podcast. Excited to have my man Jerry Gertz, president and CEO of Curling Zone, joining us today. Jerry, what's happening? Good to have you back on. Thanks, Bryce. It's uh, always great to be here talking with you and uh, looking forward to uh, the next couple of months. Yeah, got a lot to look forward to the next couple months. And, you know, let's get into it from really the Team USA perspective because the we've obviously got our men's and women's team, but the mixed doubles concluded last weekend on Sunday, not even a week ago, just got back on Monday earlier a couple days ago from Blaine. And we saw the Hamiltons roll the table after losing their first two. They were they just picked up more and more steam as the event went on and obviously rolled and will represent Team USA after defeating John Schuster and Corey Christensen. Corey just missing that that draw that ticks off uh, you know, a little bit of late curl, just barely missed for, for three in the win. The Hamiltons survived. They are Team USA. Yeah, I think uh, it looked like they were probably the best team all week, uh, once they got themselves righted, I know uh, the Hamiltons had some uh, just some disruption early in the week. Uh, Matt had some travel issues getting to the event, and and it kind of set them off a little bit. But once they got that sorted, they were back to normal and and back to themselves. And you know, at the end of the day, it's exciting to see you know the story behind the siblings, mm-hmm. uh, Matt and Becca Hamilton from Madison, Wisconsin. Um, you know, they really are colorful characters in the sport and, and, uh, you know, the tonight show appearance and, and that, 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 uh, played out, um, 
you know, I think there's some huge opportunity for some exposure there for those two athletes and for the sport in general. Yeah, let, let's just go ahead and say big ups, huge props to Matt and Becca last night on the Tonight Show with Fallon and Jimmy, uh, Jason Sudeikis. That was, I thought it was awesome. Certainly the 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 exposure uh, for the sport. I love when Fallon said uh, my favorite Winter Olympic sport, curling. I was just obviously, I was relishing every minute of that. So I'm hoping he will he will dip into curling as, as the Olympics get underway. But still, that was pretty awesome last night. That was really cool. I thought, you know, as you said, from the PR side of things, I mean, look, if John and Corey had won, it would have been fantastic. If anybody else, you know, had won, they would have done a great job. But, you know, the personality, the dynamic uh, of Matt and Becca, brother, sister, you know, certainly going to be competing on their respective teams with Schuster and Roth. But I think from the standpoint, that PR side of thing, it's it's a huge win for the sport in Team USA and USA Curling. Yeah, you know what, this is the sport that uh... – everyone seems to fall in love with during the winter Olympics. And, you know, next step is winning a medal. You know, the, all this growth has, has come from just participating in the Olympics. And, and now you can only imagine what winning a medal would do for uh, the game. Yeah. And on the mixed double side of things, you know, stay here on the mix for a second, because you guys have the Canadian mixed trials coming up, but you know, for it's going to be an eight-team field, and you know, I think Matt and Becca are as as good as anybody in this field. It's so hard to handicap a mixed doubles field, a because it's still relatively new, and because of the way the game is set up and the way, and really the rules and how it works. You know, stealing is not out. I mean, stealing is a lot more common than it is, and obviously, you know, team curling. It's really hard to handicap because you look at John and Corey at the U.S. trials for mixed doubles last week. I mean, they were technically the eighth seed in the event, and here they are. They basically they won the round robin, only had one blemish, and that was to the Hamiltons. I mean, this is really a, a field of eight teams where anybody could win it over in South Korea. Yeah, I, one of the things that uh, I think maybe handicaps the uh, – the North American teams to a degree is that they're not full-time mixed doubles teams. Mm -hmm. So, so the U S teams, there's very few players that play at full time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, there's a few teams that, that missed out the trials that, that play a lot, but for the most part, it's, it's the skill of the players that are part of the elite program. You get the same thing here in Canada, the, the top athletes that play the game, are taking mixed doubles as a, as a second chance kind of to get to the Olympics. Mm -hmm. and, and they're going to miss out on a few of the little things that are, that could make them, you know, obvious metal uh, uh, contenders. At the end of the day, you look at that 18 field in, in South Korea and all eight teams could win the gold medal. Yeah. You've got, uh, uh, Anastasia Brzezgolova and Alexander Krusilnitsky from, they're now the Olympic athletes from Russia. Mm -hmm. um, former world champions, I believe. A uh, very strong team there that's a dedicated mixed doubles team. Uh, China, not 100% sure. I'm not sure if it's officially confirmed yet, but I believe Dashin Ba and, and Ray Wang will be the uh, team there. That's been their number one team and they've had a pretty solid season. Again, another medal contender. You got the world champions from last year, Jenny Pere and uh, Martin Rios. Um, you know, another very good team. 
team that's kind of come out of out of the woodwork a little bit this season, and that's uh, Kristen Skazlin and Magnus Nedregotten from Norway. Mm-hmm. And you know they've won two major mixed doubles titles in Europe in the last uh, month, six weeks or so. So you know, and they they've beaten teams like the the Russians and the Chinese and the Swiss and. Mm-hmm. So it's it's they're in a good spot, and uh, you know it's going to be tough for a medal. It's uh, for for the United States and Canada, but you know after Matt and Becca's performance at the World last year, you know there's no reason that they couldn't medal with a good performance. Yeah. Uh, as we continue, Jerry Gertz, President and CEO of Curling Zone. Check him out at Curling Zone on Twitter, curlingzone.com. Your home for anything, everything curling as we get ready for the 2018 Winter Olympics. We have a lot in front of us, actually, between now and then with the Continental Cup and the Canadian Open, the next slam up uh, outside of Edmonton. We'll touch on that here in the final segment. But, uh, you know, as it relates, tell me your thoughts on this because the U.S., and, and we talked about it uh, in Blaine, Sean Murray, and I, I, to my knowledge, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but to my knowledge that the U.S. will be the only, likely the only team in South Korea that will have their representatives playing mixed doubles who will also be playing on their respective teams. And from the standpoint, you know, John and Corey were right there. They had Corey had the shot to win it uh, for three there at the trials. I. Your thoughts on the fact that it's not John because it's the skip of Team Schuster – you know, while it is Matt and he is playing, the fact that it's not the skip having to – he can just simply concentrate on his four-man team and that alone. Yeah, I think the toughest part of the Olympics is the mental side. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you look at the scheduling of the event, it's not actually that hard of a schedule. Mm-hmm. You know, for the most part, teams are playing one a day. Uh, they They have the odd two-game day, I believe. But then uh, it's mostly, you know, there's even days off here and there. So at the end of the day, teams have to know how to, you know, work with their downtime and, and you know, set themselves up for success that way. So getting tired, getting overworked physically is probably not going to be the challenge that teams are going to face. Mm-hmm. It's the mental side, though, and when you're on for every day of the Olympics, I think plus a day or two, mm-hmm. with the uh, double starting ahead of the opening ceremonies, uh, it, it can be uh, it can be uh, mentally draining. Yeah. And for somebody like Schuster, you know, I think that would be a challenge that isn't ideal. You know, there's definitely some benefits to playing mixed doubles ahead of ahead of the four player event because you get the opportunity to play with the stones. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I haven't heard whether they're making any switches or flipping rocks or anything uh, uh, after the mixed doubles. But, you know, the other thing you're going to get a chance to do is get a feel and a read on the ice. Mm-hmm. You know, most of these teams, you don't really realize how limited their practice opportunities are uh, pre-event. Mm-hmm. You know, they're on the ice for something like, uh, I think, uh, 10 to 15 minutes a sheet. They rotate through the sheets, and boom, there's your chance to throw some rocks on the surface you're going to be playing with all week. So with Matt and Becca both having that uh, that opportunity and to be sweeping on that surface as well, yeah, that's where you know Matt and Becca are going to be able to bring a ton to their team. So I think there's some advantage to it, and being you know front-end players, 
I think that advantage uh, overcomes the potential downfall of uh, that extra draining event that you play. Yeah. As we continue here, uh, you know, we'll we'll get into some other things in the final segment, the upcoming Slam Continental Cup, uh, certainly the uh, the Canadian trials, what transpired. But it, we'll, we'll stay on mixed doubles here just for a second and kind of put that to bed because you guys have the Canadian trials coming up, uh, you know, here pretty soon in Canada to determine your you know Team Canada reps after you finish the uh, Roar of the Rings there just a couple weeks ago. Just quick thoughts on the Canadian trials for mixed doubles. And, you know, I, I know it's hard to pick a favorite, but if you're looking to say maybe here's two or three teams you think are going to be in the mix that could win it, where would you go? Again, you know what? We talk about a field where there are so many very good, strong players. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be hard to pick uh, any one specific team, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, you know, you've got some teams with some experience. Uh, uh, Jocelyn Peterman, Brett Gallant have won the Canadian title one year. Um, you know, the team that uh, did it last year for Canada, unfortunately, is uh, now broken up because Rachel Holman uh, went on to win the uh, the women's title. So Reed Carruthers no longer has Joanne Courtney as, as his partner. So... Mm-hmm. What they managed to do is there was a few teams that had to do some shuffling. John Morris and Rachel Holman were a pair. You had, uh, I believe, Tyrell Griffith and Emma Miskew were together. Lisa Weagle and uh, John Epping were a pair. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so that's all four Holman players uh, uh, left the mixed doubles uh, event. And on the men's side, uh, Brent Lang, uh, was playing as well. I believe, uh, I don't believe Mark Kennedy was in it, uh, originally, but, uh, so he would have been a potential pickup for someone had he not, uh, went on and won. So, so you're seeing, uh, Reed Carruthers is now paired with Jill officer. Um, Jennifer Jones has added Mark Nichols to replace, uh, Brent Lang. You've got, uh, uh, Tyrell Griffith, uh, replacing Emma Miskew with Sherry just, Mm -hmm. And uh, John Epping uh, has added uh, Sherry Madoff to his team. So, uh, oh, and then one final one, Caitlin Laws and John Morris are together. So, yeah. you know what? You could probably uh, run this event 10 times and get 10 different winners, <laughs> to be honest. So what you're saying is basically like what we had in uh, in Blaine, where it's just completely wide open, and that's probably what the Olympics is going to be like. The Canadian Mixed Doubles Trials, uh, January 2nd through the 7th, that one's going to be in Manitoba. Let's go ahead and step away. Jerry, we'll come back uh, in just a few minutes. We'll talk... Uh, about the upcoming Olympics and, you know, what we have ahead here in the early part of January as the teams kind of finish their last-minute, a couple last-minute tournaments, preparation, and events before going to South Korea. We'll be right back here on the Extra Extra In podcast with the 12th and Sports Network powered by Isagenics. If you're looking to buy new curling equipment, don't settle for cheap imitations. Hardline came onto the scene seven years ago and is at the forefront of high-performance and recreational curling equipment. Hardline's ice pad is the best choice when it comes to brush heads, which is why top-ranked pros play with it, including world champions Team Gushu, as well as U.S. men's and women's national champions Team Schuster and Team Sinclair. Whether you're looking for brooms, the Pro Slide Delivery Aid designed by Reed Carruthers, or shoes and apparel, take a look at Hardline and see why they are the number one choice for curling equipment. 
Show this sponsor your support by going to tesn.us and clicking on the Hardline Ice Pad logo. All right, welcome back into the Extra Extra In podcast with the Portland Sports Network, powered by Isagenics. Price Atkinson, and now excited to be joined by my friend and uh, uh, really fall compatriot here as we've done a lot of events together, and that's the man behind the scenes and who has made all these uh, our nationals, Curling Night in America, the Olympic trials, two of them, in fact, uh, just run seemingly and uh, smooth and, and error-free and just really helping formalize the USCA, a lot of the national level events. And it's just been a pleasure to to work with and get to know Warren Hansen from Vancouver, former Briar champion, member of the World Curling Federation Hall of Fame, and just excited to have you on here for uh, for a little bit today. Warren, welcome in. Great. Good to talk to you, Price. All right, Warren. Well, let's get right to it. Look, you you were instrumental in, in help lead the chart, led the charge in getting the uh, curling back in the Olympic Games and and obviously part of mixed doubles and developing the mixed doubles game. But, you know, just kind of talk about going back, uh, you know, and some of this, how, how you were able to get the Olympics or the curling back into the Winter Olympic Games. Well, it's uh, quite a story, but it probably goes back to the 70s when I think uh, – Myself, along with one other person, Rick Kingsmith, identified that for curling to get any higher than it was in Canada, a whole pile of things had to change because of the manner and how it was uh, perceived by the general populace. Mm-hmm. So we set out to change the image of the sport in Canada, which uh, met with a lot of resistance. Uh-huh. But uh, over a period of, I guess, 10 years leading up to the 88 Games in Calgary, we were able to turn that wheel enough that we got the sport into Calgary as a demonstration, mm-hmm. which eventually led to it becoming a medal sport in uh, 1992. So it was, uh, it was a battle, but uh, it was well worth it. And as we see things happening today, I look back on that and uh, feel pretty good about what we did back in uh, the 70s and early 80s. Yeah, absolutely. Laid the groundwork for, you know, just uh, curling in the Olympics every single year. It just it just seems like, at least here in the United States, Warren, that the popularity just continues to grow. You know, I don't want to call it – I've referred to curling sometimes as a little bit of a cult sport when it comes to the Olympics, just because, at least here in the United States, just because it's just something you don't see, you know, every, but once every four years, at least most of the time to the casual, you know, viewer – but, you know, we have you to thank because so many American fans are just absolutely love more and more curling each Olympics that comes and goes. Yeah, without question. I mean, I've said it a number of times in recent years, and I'll say it again. I think the future for the sport in the United States is phenomenal. It's one of the reasons I'm helping the USAA. I'm trying to get over the hump to uh, increase the television, the corporate involvement. And I think once that happens, and it's going to happen, uh, you're going to see a huge explosion of the sport in the United States. It's just right for a lot of things to take place. Yeah, it is. And one of the things you've been instrumental as well is the, you know, the invention, the implementation, the, you know, of mixed doubles that went, was in 2002 added to the continental cup and, Talk about, because mixed doubles is is a game for those, a lot of people saw it with the, the trials this past week, 
But for many, many viewers who, who have not seen mixed doubles or maybe even played it, this is a game that just moves very fast. Two two person team, one male, one female. But the view the the, the the appeal in terms of a television audience, in terms of how quick it moves in the high scoring, this is really a direct appeal to people viewing on television. Yeah, I'm really high in mixed doubles. And it's also been an interesting ride. When I was charged with developing the Continental Cup mm-hmm. back in 2001, uh, mixed doubles was a new component that we developed to be part of that event. And uh, I had reasons for doing what we did with mixed doubles. Mm-hmm. Some of them have materialized, but in many cases, it's gone way beyond what I ever anticipated was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it is probably the one thing that really makes me feel good, makes me feel proud to watch that being played today, knowing where it started and knowing where it's gone, and I think where it's going. I think it's got the huge uh, potential to be the number one television proponent of curling in the United States. Mm-hmm. And uh, as I look towards the future, I think men's and women's doubles are also a really distinct possibility that can help to expand the sport really further. And for the reason you indicated, it's fast, it's quick-moving, it's two people, and it's high-scoring. All the things that you need to attract spectators. Yeah, and I think that's interesting, Warren, because you mentioned, uh, you know, the possibility with we have mixed doubles now, but, you know, two-man, two-woman, so to speak, you know, teams where it's two females, two males – how do you think that is a realistic possibility moving forward? I mean, what would stand uh, in the way of that? I really do. I've talked to people at WCF about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they agree with me because, again, if you look what happened with mixed doubles, where it really caught on was in the countries where they don't have a lot of curlers. Yeah. And maybe they didn't have enough good curlers to form a men's or women's team, but they had enough good curlers to form a couple of mixed doubles teams. And the same thing can happen with men and women. So I think right off the top, it'll become. It can become very competitive very quickly between all, all nations without, as mixed doubles sits today, no one country has really dominated it. It's been all over the map, and I think that will continue because of how it's structured. Yeah. As we continue with Warren Hansen from uh, Canada and Vancouver, to be exact, instrumental in developing Curling Canada's Canada Cup, the Continental Cup, uh, which will be played coming up next month, uh, and certainly getting the curling back into the Winter Olympic Games was one of the ones at the forefront of that, and we have a lot to thank in Warren Hansen, member of the World Curling Federation Hall of Fame, and Warren, you know, working with the USCA in the last, uh, you know, couple weeks, months, and you know, year trying to help on the business development side and working with events and, you know, formalizing some of our, you know, national level and television stuff that we've got going, trying to expand the game. You know, what do you think about uh, where is curling in the United States with, with the expansion, uh, visibility? You know, where is it? Where can it go? I think it's on the move, and particularly in, the, in a lot of the states where curling doesn't exist now. Uh, and I look back to our, our trials experience in Omaha, where there's very, mm-hmm. very little curling there, and how that was all accepted, and, and people came out in groves yep. who knew nothing about the sport to watch because they were intrigued by it. And, and I see that as a, a potential everywhere in the United States. So I think we kind of started a game plan two and a half years ago as to how to move things forward. I think that's on track. I think things are happening as we have predicted and wanted them to. And I think in the next two to three years, we'll have some breakthroughs corporately. I think we'll have a strength in television position. And I think all that's going to cause the sport to move forward quite rapidly in many parts of the United States. So I think it's all very, very positive. 
All right, as we worked together in, in Omaha a couple times, uh, we're together at, uh, uh, certainly last week in Blaine for the mixed doubles. When you look at the U.S. teams, you got Schuster and Roth who emerged victorious at the trials in Omaha. And then last weekend, the Hamiltons who made their appearance on the Tonight Show last night thought they thought they were awesome. Where, where do you think uh, in terms of the high performance, because the high performance program we're going to now see, hopeful, very hopeful, I say from uh, an American, you know, from our standpoint to see that pay off and you have Schuster, Roth and the Hamiltons are going to be competing on the world stage in the Olympics. How do you think they're better equipped maybe this time as opposed to in the year past uh, to go out and make the podium? Because that certainly is the is the driver of the USA Curl, uh, United States Curling Association developing that high-performance program to make it onto the podium. Well, I've certainly been around to watch all that unfold. I'm not mm-hmm. directly involved, but certainly yeah. a, a keen observer of what's been taking place in the high-performance end. And I, I do believe that probably this time around the United States is sending its three best teams ever uh, to compete for medals in Korea, and I think the best prepared ever. Um, I think in all three cases, uh, the way those teams played in the trials, both in Omaha and in Blaine, um, they are well prepared. They're good players. They're good shooters. And uh, I think all three have excellent chance to medal. And uh, talk about what would really give us a boost right now, uh, way beyond if those teams come back with a couple of medals after the Olympics in Korea. Yeah, I agree with you. And as you, we'll be working again together, I know you've got a lot of things in front of you, but you know it's not going to be far away before we're in Las Vegas in the spring for the Men's World Championship that Las Vegas will host at Orleans Arena. But before that, we've got the U.S. Nationals going to be hosted by Fargo. So we got a lot of things coming up with the, certainly the Olympic Games and, and uh, U.S. Nationals and then the, the Men's Worlds. A lot in front of us just, you know, as, as we turn the page and get ready for the Olympics, I guess, what are your expectations over in South Korea? Because you're going to be back here. You'll be watching like all of us. And, you know, what are your expectations for this upcoming Olympic Games, Warren? Well, again, I think all three teams have a good chance. I would have to say from what I see and know right now and have observed, I would think the mixed doubles teams, the Hamiltons, they mm-hmm. would probably have the number one chance. I think the women's team, Nina Roth, because women's curling at the world level, it's a pretty even field today. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like it once was. Canada's still strong, but not as dominant as they once were. So I think they've got a great chance. I think the Schuster team certainly played exceptional in Omaha. They've got a good shot, but I think their road is a little tougher, possibly, than the other two to get on that podium. Well, Warren, it's been awesome to catch up with you here. Uh, after we spent a lot of time together this fall, I had just an immense uh, amount of respect for you, certainly as, as what you did as a curler and what you've done you know, post uh, your curling career and obviously now working with uh, the USCA. And you know, It's just been a lot of fun to work with you and get to know you. And just more than anything, can't thank you enough here for a few minutes and can't wait to do it again here. Coming up this fall, I will tell you right now. I just still, I still have, I still have that song, Elvis Presley. It's still bouncing around in my head. I, I, I've tried to listen to Jingle Bells. Santa Claus is coming to town. I just cannot get it out. It's still there. It's the gift that Warren keeps on giving me this holiday season. Yeah, remember. Everybody knows what it means. <laughs> <laughs> Including Mr. Rick Patsky, and that would also be Coach Derek Brown. So. <laughs> Warren, Perfect. Just, well, it's been a pleasure working with you, too, and uh, I look forward to everything that's going to happen here in the future. Absolutely, Warren. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas to you and your family. Hope you guys have a wonderful holiday season, and we will certainly talk to you very soon, Warren. You bet. Same to you, and uh, thanks again. And there you have it, the legendary Warren Hanson. Appreciate Warren joining us. 
We'll be right back here on the Extra Extra In podcast with Jerry Gertz. Look ahead to the upcoming Olympics and some other things uh, ahead this this winter here on the Extra Extra In podcast with the 12th Inch Sports Network powered by Sejanis. Back into the Extra Extra In podcast with the 12th In Sports Network, powered by Sigenics, Price Atkinson, joined by Jerry Gertz from Curling Zone. Again, check them out at Curling Zone on Twitter, curlingzone.com, your home and hub for all things curling, getting ready for the upcoming Winter Olympics and everything in between. And in between, Jerry, is what we got coming up here is we, you know, really the next couple things besides the Canadian Mixed Doubles Trials, the 2nd through the 7th, we got the Continental Cup. That's going to be January the 11th through the 14th, and then basically going straight from uh, the Continental Cup right there in your hometown in London, Ontario. You will go, everybody will go, or a lot of the teams will go to Edmonton, just outside Edmonton, for the next slam uh, in the Grand Slam of Curling. That's going to be the Canadian Open January 16th through the 21st. I guess let's just start on the side of the Continental Cup. Just talk about what we got as Team World, led by captains David Murdoch and Frederick Lindbergh, the two coaches or the coach and the captain of the, of Team World. Al Hackner will be the captain, and Coach Rick Lang will be the team uh, will be leading Team North America. Yeah, it's the Continental Cup's always kind of one of these fun events on the schedule. Mm-hmm. You know, the teams kind of let loose a little bit and have a good time and <clears throat> and mix it up. And you know, now they're cheering for for players who are typically their opponents Mm -hmm. and uh you know the group camaraderie is pretty neat and and i think the athletes really enjoy the atmosphere that the that the continental cup provides Mm -hmm. and it's a good change of pace from the the point chasing uh grinded out competitive season that these teams face as four player squads so it, it's still an event that's working on gaining some traction from the from the curling fans and the curling community, and it'll be interesting to see what my hometown, uh, London, Ontario, will do to host this event. Uh, it's not in a very big arena, so there's you know it won't be uh, you know a cavernous, empty building with you know a thousand or two thousand fans sitting around. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if they can if they can put a couple thousand fans in the seats, I believe that'll be close to a sellout in the venue that they have. So it it could be a pretty exciting atmosphere at the Western Fairgrounds here in London, and and uh, it'll be interesting to see how the players approach it. Yeah, you know, being a month away from the Olympics or less by the time we get there, um, you know, these players will have their game face on; they'll be serious. They'll you know, I don't imagine we'll see nearly the socializing that these uh, players uh, will tend to uh, partake in during the Continental Cup, as we've seen in Vegas the last few years. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think it's good for the game and good for the players to get on some, some arena ice and and, uh, and work on the game a bit. And then... Uh, and then off to the slam from there. So busy, uh, busy couple of weeks for sure. Yeah, on Team North America, Schuster and Roth, they will be playing for Team North America there at the Continental Cup. And then, of course, the Canadians rounding out a strong squad. Gushu, Kui on the men's side, Holman and Inglot. So certainly a strong side that's going to go up against uh, – uh, 
you know, what's going to be formidable on the on the world side? De Cruz, Adin, Olsrud, Fujisawa, Hasselberg, and Tirinzoni from Switzerland. So that's going to be a lot of fun. But as we you go from there, really that the slam uh, in uh, outside of Edmonton, the Canadian Open, January sixteenth through the twenty first. This is really the final tune up, Jerry for. You know, certainly the teams that are going over to South Korea, and this is when you obviously want to be sharp. It's not the end-all, be-all. Certainly it is a slam. You win it. You get to play in the Champions Cup at the end of the season. But um, it is one of those last times to, you know, kind of really fine-tune everything before coming home for a few days and, you know, at least in the U.S.'s case, going to Japan for a, a training camp for a few days before South Korea. Yeah, I think you'll see quite a few teams, uh, you know, do a similar setup as the U.S. teams are. I know the Canadian teams are doing the same, too. Uh, they're going to travel over to Japan, do a short training camp there uh, to get uh, set up on the time zone and make sure that the, the body clock and everything is, is ready to go and everybody's feeling good. Um, the slam will be interesting. I, you know, we've, we've, we've had grand slams, uh, you know, the month before the Olympics for the last, a few cycles now and and you know you always see some trends coming out of it i think one of the things that there is a tendency is is a bit of a letdown from the canadian teams in particular um you know we've we've seen years where the the olympic team comes out and falls flat Mm -hmm. in the slam in january but i don't think that's indicative of what to expect uh in in the Olympic Games either. So I wouldn't put too much uh, stock into the results of the slam. Mm-hmm. For, for these teams, it's their last opportunity to tune up. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see them working on specific systems and, and setting themselves up so that they're ready to go with these game plans that they want to execute uh, come February. Yeah, and the Canadian Open for the U.S. side, uh, John Schuster will be one of 16 men's teams uh, competing. Then on the women's side, uh, Nina Roth and Jamie Sinclair will be competing in the uh, 16 total women's teams there in the triple knockout uh, Meridian Canadian Open in just outside of Edmonton. And how does this slam, how does this one compare to the others, the Tour Challenge, the Masters, I mean, and even what's ahead? How, how is this one similar? How is it different? Yeah, this one's a triple knockout format. It's the only uh, Grand Slam that uh, runs as that triple knockout format. For fans not quite familiar with that, you essentially have three chances to make the playoffs. And and uh, if you win all your games in the A event, you qualify for the playoffs through the A bracket. If you happen to lose a game and you drop into the B bracket, you grind your way out, you try and get to the end and, and get into the playoffs. But you got one more life. You can drop into that C bracket. Mm-hmm. And once you win your bracket, you're all on the same footing again come playoff time, uh, other than uh, hammer advantage. So there is definitely an advantage to coming out of the A side. You'd get uh, hammer uh, against, uh, against your opponent. So, you know, at the end of the day, your goal is to, to win three before you lose three. Yeah. And if you, you can manage to do that, you get yourself into a playoff spot. Um, you've got uh, Ross Schuster uh, playing there, as well as uh, Jamie Sinclair uh, qualified for that event, too. So, uh, you know, great to see the U.S. content strong in the Grand Slams. I think it's indicative of, of the program and, and uh, what the teams have managed to do at the top. 
and and build into competitive teams that uh, that can challenge to win an event like a Grand Slam. But what that also means is, is I, I believe they're both medal contenders as well. Yeah. In uh, in February in in Pyeongchang. All right, uh, Jerry, you mentioned Pyeongchang, and let's just take a quick – we don't need to dive into it very deep because, of course, we're going to do a lot of that in, in the month of January. But, you know, just as the as the field is now crystallizing and, and we basically outside of the Russians know what this you know, Olympic field on the men's and women's side is going to look like, just handicap it, uh, just your quick thoughts on – not so much handicap it, just your quick thoughts on, on the way the men's side sets up and the women's side sets up. Well, we've got, uh, on the men's side, we've got, uh, I think there's two strong favorites at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. You've got Canada's Kevin Cooey and uh, Nicholas Adin of Sweden. You know, I think those are your two teams that are your gold medal contenders. Now, that doesn't mean somebody can't surprise and sneak their way in. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of talent and depth in this Olympic field this year. So, you know, when it comes down to it, it's, you know, when we get to uh, the playoffs, it's a one versus four, two versus three, uh, semifinal to a final uh, straight playoff bracket. There's no page used in the Olympics. So you'll see some upsets potentially in those games. And that's where, you know, a team like Canada and a team like Sweden can can kind of face some challenges. Mm-hmm. In 2014, Nicholas Adin was the one seed going into the playoffs, and they were upset by... Uh, uh, Scotland's, uh, Great Britain's, uh, David Murdoch. So, you know, it can happen. And, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of good teams here that can make that happen as well. You know, when you start looking at the rest of the field, I think you can kind of handicap it as quote playing for bronze. But again, that, you know, that one game, you know, win the right game and show up that day you're playing for gold. So, you know, among those teams you put into that category, you know, you've got the Americans, John Schuster is there with uh, his uh, bronze medal in uh, 2016, uh, fourth place finish last year. You know, they've twice played for that medal, mm-hmm. and I think they have good experience against the field. You know, they set themselves up well here. And, you know, I think John as, and, uh, as a skip has really matured over the last, a couple of seasons and I think you see his reaction and and trusting his teammates out there a lot better than he used to the other thing and and this is the experience factor of playing in some worlds and playing these teams ahead of the Olympics Mm -hmm. you go back to 2014 Don Schuster did not play in a world championships leading up to that Olympics yeah you know the, the last world he played in was the 2009 one I believe and then and then when you go back to uh, to 2010 and Schuster, you know their first foray back into the world was that 2009, the year before. So, you know, you, you see a lot of the Olympic teams that are playing for other countries. They're almost lifers. You know, Thomas Ulzer, Nicholas Adine, Peter De Cruz. You know, Kyle Smith is is young, but he's starting to get those opportunities. Mm-hmm. Even coming from Canada, Kevin Cooey, this will be his fourth uh, international trip. So uh, Morizumi is another team out of Japan that continues to go year after year. Mm-hmm. So being able to go to those events and, and make it normal is something that I think will make the experience a lot better for uh, Schuster and his team this year. Yeah. Um, 
So, you know, grouping in with Schuster, of course, this tough field, you've got Chang Min Kim, the South Korean team, who's had a great season this year. Uh, Peter DeCruz, who's been a bit of a, uh, a tough uh, opponent for Schuster in the past. And they've got to do some work to uh, figure out how to beat the, the Swiss boys. Uh, Thomas Ulsrud, of course, another strong team, uh, silver medalist from uh, 2010, and and just missed out in the tiebreaker against uh, against Murdoch uh, in 2014, and uh, of course Great Britain has got uh, Kyle Smith, yeah, you know, a team that has struggled this year, but they've got all the talent in the world to be part of that mix too, and and uh, you know Rasmus Stierna out of Denmark, they qualified out of the uh, the last chance Olympic qualifier. You know, that team really goes as Rasmus goes. Mm-hmm. He's, uh, he's by some of his peers, he's considered, you know, the possibly the best player in Europe. Mm-hmm. And when he stand, when he plays well and he's playing his game, uh, he can be hard to beat. So, you know, I just about went through the entire field. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, for the Italian fans, I think, uh, they're going to be more of a happy to be there kind of group. And, uh, more zoomy in this field is probably going to have it tough, but again, you know, they're, they're a team that, you know, when they get it going, they can be strong and they're coming off of uh, a win at the Kurosawa international uh, last weekend mm-hmm. against uh, several of the, these Olympic opponents. So, you know, they're going to be uh, looking to, to put up, post a, a good result in their first Olympics as well. All right, real quick on the women's side. Again, you, you know, this one, I think you've got a lot more depth at the top, a little bit more parity at the top. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Holman's the... Rachel, un- Holman, yeah. Rachel Holman's going to be the out-and-out favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, being, uh, you know, they went undefeated last year in the World Championship. Yep. But Canada has struggled in the past to, to, to hold that out-and-out favorite spot on the women's side for, for a long time now. Uh, Holman winning gold at the Worlds was the first uh, gold medal for the Canadian women since, I believe, 2008. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and, and the reason for that is there's a lot of strength in the other countries. You've got uh, Eve Muirhead, who's uh, constantly in the mix. They won a European title uh, in November. Um, the Swedes, Anna Hasselberg, you got to think back to about 15 months ago and you wouldn't even consider Hasselberg to be a gold medal contender, let alone a medal contender. Mm-hmm. They have really done a lot of things very well. And when they play on tour, their, their numbers, their metrics kind of flash as, as an elite men's team. The thing Anna and her team need to overcome is winning that, that final game. Mm-hmm. And they've had a few struggles this season with that. And I think it's, again, you, you know, you look at the fact that they've only been part of this, this group for, for about, you know, just over a year. So I think the experience of, the, of all the finals they've played and, and, you know, if they just relax just a little bit coming into that big game, mm-hmm. they're a very intense team and they really, really want to win. And sometimes that can just tighten you up into those finals. And I saw a little bit of growth in this team during the uh, European Championships where they, they still did, they lost to Eve in that final, but I think they came out of it at the end 
feeling a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if they can go into that final, you know, I, I really think Hasselberg's team has a great chance of being there too. Um, so you you got to add in Silvana Tiranzoni from Switzerland into that mix. Uh, they've long been pro- the best uh, Swiss team on tour, have had struggles getting to uh, world championships and, and some of that is Silvana and, and her team. They have some challenges with that big final game, too. Uh-huh. So, you know, that's another one that uh, when the pressure's on, it'll be interesting to see how, how the team reacts. But, you know, lots of talent there. And, and you know, now you got to throw Nina Roth into that group, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, the talent that Nina has, her draw game is what keeps her in game. Um, you know, they can make some mistakes. They can get into trouble. If Nina's got her draw game in Korea, she'll be a threat mm-hmm. and, and definitely another metal contender there too. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it really comes down to, uh, you know, first Olympics for, for the players on that team. I think having Becca playing the, the, the doubles will help them a little bit with some nerves mm-hmm. and, and we'll put them in a good spot. But uh, you know, don't discount uh, Nina and her team playing for uh, for a medal come uh, come closing weekend. All right, Jerry, uh, give everybody tell everybody what uh, they get at curlingzone.com, the only home for everything, all things curling. Yeah, we try and cover uh, lots of everything. You know, we we syndicate scores from from around the world, uh, all the different playdown events. We've got coverage from all the big events as well, including the Olympics. Uh, you know, the biggest thing is it's just trying to simplify it for the diehard curling fan who loves to follow all the games and mm-hmm. all the teams. You know, you, you see a lot of people, they still like following their, their local association sites and all that stuff. We're just trying to make it easier to find everything in one place. So, yeah. you know, score, score, scores. <laughs> you want to follow your favorite curling teams all winter? Uh, you can uh, check out the scores at uh, curlingzone.com. And also on Twitter at Curling Zone, never uh, always stuff going on. Jerry's got it covered. Jerry, always appreciate uh, a few minutes with you. Can't wait to do it again soon. Thanks, Bryce. Uh, looking forward to it. Should be fun. No doubt about it. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas to you and your family. We'll talk soon. That's Jerry Gertz from Curling Zone. We'll be right back here on the Extra Extra Rim Podcast with the 12th and Sports Network powered by Sajanis. All right, just about done with our final episode here of 2017 on the Extra Extra In Podcast with the 12th In Sports Network powered by Isagenix. Just wanted to, you know, take time to tell everybody, obviously, happy holidays, Merry Christmas from all of us here at uh, the 12th In Sports Network, myself. Just cannot thank everybody enough. Uh, so many people that have come up that came up to me and Blaine when we were there last week for the mixed doubles Olympic trials, and you know, for many people I met uh, in Omaha. You know, just thanks to everybody who who took the time to either come up, say hello, introduce yourself, tell me, you know, feedback on the podcast, good, bad. We want it all, and it's not just always the good. We want the negative too. If there are things you don't like, things that you do. Let us know, share it with us. Let us know what we can do better. Just, you know, more than anything, appreciate all our listeners that have taken the time to listen to one episode, to every episode. 
the whole ball of wax just really appreciate every single person tuning in uh, to any episode that you have listened to and certainly this one as we go ahead and close up shop for 2017 and look ahead to 2018 a big big year ahead we've got with the United States curling as the Olympics are almost here. Certainly we got a couple slams, Continental Cup to start January, but then the Olympics, the Paralympics, we've got nationals. We got all kinds of things coming ahead, and we will bring all that to you here on the Extra Extra and Podcast. Yes, we are continuing into 2018. It's just been a lot of fun to be with each of you and appreciate uh, you you hanging with me during my growth. And, you know, appreciate to Joe B.A., Sean Murray, uh, Jessica Schultz, uh, Jerry Gertz, everybody that's been with us, uh, you know, co-hosting here on the Extra Extra and Podcast through this fall. Just have really enjoyed bringing the teams, the players, the coaches, the, the voices, the athletes, the action, everything to you, whether it's recaps after the trials, whether it's getting you ready for the Olympic trials, mixed doubles. And now we turn our attention to, obviously, what's going to go down in South Korea in 2018. But just again, from me to you, to everybody listening right now, just thank you so much for everything. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for the feedback. Thank you for listening because it is about you guys, the listeners. If it weren't for you, we would not even do this. So thank you very much. Just want to say happy holidays. Merry Christmas to everybody. Can't wait to rejoin you guys here in 2018 coming up that very first week of January. That's when the Extra Extra Podcast will return. But until then, have a Merry Christmas. Stay safe out there wherever you're going. and We'll catch up with you in 2018. Thanks for being with us on this edition of the Extra Extra In Podcast with Price Atkinson. Follow Price and the 12th In Sports Network crew on Twitter and Facebook to stay up on our weekly contests, giveaways, and guests for upcoming episodes of the Extra Extra In Podcast, powered by Isogenics. If you have thyroid eye disease and you go through artificial tears in the blink of an eye, it might be time to discover another treatment option. To learn more, visit TreatMyTed.com. That's TreatMyTed.com.